turn this morning to Genesis 27. Genesis chapter 27. As you're turning there, I'm going to start a new series this morning called The Blessing. But I I did want to make one real special announcement to you this morning. Um, We have been on a journey the last three or four months. We began in the first Sunday of February uh, with, with an experiment. We, we started with two services, one of which you're in now, uh, to see how that might work for us. And uh, let me give you a couple reports. The experiment will end uh, later this month uh, around Memorial Day. But let me tell you some things that have happened as, as so many of you have worked hard and served in your life groups and first teams and um, uh, parking greeters, ushers. Uh, work with guests, so many of the things that you've done, our care callers, so many pieces of this that work. Our worship team has stretched, our choir has stretched. But let me tell you a couple of things that have happened and how well this has gone. Uh, Our life groups have grown by about 80 people just because we went to two services. 80 different people. It's not we're counting the same ones twice. (laughs) We're not stacking them too high. Our first teams are nearly equal. And I know this service sort of spreads out and feels a little different because of, uh, it spreads out. But this service is uh, never more than 50 or 100 people lower than the second service. This is almost identical week in and week out. And actually, I talked to Pastor Clark and I said, well, how's our giving? We've been tracking these things through the whole time. Two weeks ago, there was a $250 difference in the offerings in the two services. So this thing is nearly as equal as you can get it and has gone so well. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to stay in a 9 and 11 o'clock two-service format all the way through the rest of this year. And, and hopefully till Jesus comes and maybe even add some more. But let me tell you what's, what's happened. And let me tell you why that's such a big deal. Because we now have space, we can turn our eyes in the future on evangelism and outreach and discipleship and care and so many of the other things that that you never can really get to if you don't have room. And now we have room. So I am so grateful for the effort that... and, And don't tell the second service this. But do you know when you go to life groups at 11 o'clock, that life group track is 50 people higher than the ones in life groups now. We have more people in life groups out of this service than the next service is coming. So I don't know if you're like more mature or more discipled or just better. I don't know what that means. But would you give yourself a big hand? This has been an amazing uh, opportunity. And thank you. About midway through, uh, when my wife and I served in um, youth ministry, I had a mom and dad come to me because their teenage son had begun to really have a lot of problems. The family was very strict, uh, especially the dad. He, he, would, he would bear down on the son, and uh, their house was filled with rules, which I'm, I'm not opposed to. But, but it was a, a very tight environment to live in. As we talked it through, I tried to understand what to say, and... And I, what I was trying to say to the dad is, I think the thing that would help is if you and your son's relationship got deeper. I think if you were to deepen your relationship with your son, this may be the issue. So, 
as we went through the conversation, the dad said, well, now, wait a minute. Let me make sure I understand what you're saying. You're saying, and I, I can still hear his words echo in my head to this very day. He said, so you're saying that, that all this stuff is going on in my son's life just because, and he curled his face up and said, because I haven't said I love you enough. And I said, no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is happening because you hadn't said I love you at all. That's what I'm saying. Things turn from bad to worse. Not in that meeting. <laughs> Much worse than that for the son. The next time I saw the dad, he popped down an envelope, a sealed envelope on my desk in my office that was filled with graphic pornography that the son had become addicted to. And he said, I just want you to know how far he's gone. Well, things got worse again. Later on, that son strayed into promiscuity and perversion in deeper and deeper and deeper levels. And he and the dad may have reconciled by now. I don't know, but to my knowledge, they haven't. Looking back on that, I didn't know what to call it. But I knew something was missing. I just didn't know how to describe it. Looking back on it, I would call it the blessing. That son was missing large pieces of the blessing from his father and it showed up. Around that same time, I think, or maybe a year or two later, someone gave me a, a book. Do you ever... Do you ever respond to the things that people give you based on who the person is that gives it to you? You know what I'm saying? Somebody gives you a book and you say, man, I better read that. Somebody else gives you a book and you go, you know, they're cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want to spend my time reading a lot of things that they give me. Well, I've got to confess to you. Confession is good for the heart. This was one of those. It laid on my shelf... For several years. And one day I took it out and I looked at it. And I started reading and it was a book called The Blessing by John Trent and Gary Smalley. And this lady was sort of out in the charismatic parking lot selling hot dogs. And so I didn't know what she meant by blessing and I didn't want to spend a lot of time finding out. But as I opened that book and read it, can I tell you, it defined a lot of things for me that I sensed but didn't know how to say. And it put some things in me that I didn't even know. And it shaped my understanding of the blessing. So this morning, I want us to get deeper into it. This stage is decorated out with scenes like you just saw from a mother's life and a daughter's life. But these are scenes of familiarity. Places. What, what we wanted to show you this morning are sort of places where life happens. Pictures of where relationships happen. I, I guarantee you that dad and that son that I talked to you about sat on a couch. Something like this. 
in their living room and in their home for years and worked out the context of their relationship right here. Their relationship was played out right here. It wasn't played out in here. It it wasn't played out in separation. It was played out in those environments. In the bedroom, sitting on the bed, having talks at night, watching TV, watching movies, talking about the day. Little, Little environments, points of transition, points of accomplishment. Look, look, I won. I won, what does that mean? Mom, did I do good? Is that good? Did I do a good thing? Photo albums that record memories that are years and years long, neatly tucked in a little book you can hold in your hand. Years caught in one book. You can flip through and see the little moments of life. But those transition points reveal... They reveal how the relationship is. They don't make the relationship. They just show it. And then you get to those transition points that are tender. And things become really, really clear. Whatever whatever a relationship is, there are those moments in life that it can never be hidden. You can pretend, you can talk around, you can, you, can, you can form the culture of a family around the concept of what a relationship is because it's what you want it to be. But there are flashpoints in life where it'll be revealed as it is. And there'll be no language, and there'll be no structure, and there'll be nothing that can hide it. What does it mean... To talk about relationships in the context of the blessing. Look at Genesis 27. Genesis 27 verse 32. This is the account of Isaac calling his two sons in to bless them. Jacob and Esau. His father Isaac asked him. Who are you? This is. Let me set this up a minute. This is when uh, one of the sons had tricked with his mother's help. No offense on Mother's Day. With his mother's help had tricked their father into giving the blessing to the secondborn, not the firstborn. And now you pick the story up right in the middle. His, and his father's blind and old and, and nearly passing away, and he, he's not clear on who's come in. He wants to give the blessing to the oldest son, but now he's, because he can't see, he's tricked. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered. Your firstborn, Esau. Now that's a lie. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then, I'm sorry, this is the second one that's come in. Who was it then that hunted game and brought to me? I ate it just before you came and blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. Now this is the second son that's come in. The first one was the wrong one. The second one's the one that ought to got the blessing, but now he's second. And so the father's figuring out what happened. I've been tricked. Somebody tricked me. What is this about? Now look at the next verse. When Esau heard his father's words... He burst out, now you need to underline this, with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me. Me too, my father. Now look at verse 38. Go to, go to twenty-seven thirty-eight. Esau said to his father, 
Do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Two brothers, Esau and Jacob. Jacob, with the help of his mother, deceives the father. And now Jacob has the blessing rather than Esau, which was the double blessing of the firstborn. Do you see this phrase by Esau, please bless me? Let me tell you what I found. People pout. They, they act out. They rebel. They play the victim. Have unnecessary compulsions toward perfectionism. Live in regular bouts of guilt. Have a compulsive need to help other people that they can't even control themselves. They must help somebody. Battle with fear or shame. What does all that mean? That's no different than what Esau said in Genesis 27. What they're crying out for is, Bless me! Bless me! Here I am over here! Is what I'm doing good enough or what I'm doing bad enough to get noticed? Bless me! Isn't there another blessing in there for me? What's the word blessing? The word bless is a... It's awkward to me because it, we all recognize it when it hits our ears, but it sounds like a word that may come from another language. Bless. I'm not, or at least another time. Not exactly sure what that means. You, you get the feeling the way we use it, we don't really understand it. What do we say when we sit down to eat? Say the blessing. Somebody sneezes and we say, God bless you. Do you know how that started? As I was studying for this, I, I came across some uh, interesting background. So why do we do that? And why do we use the word bless there? In 540 AD, Pope Gregory the Great became Pope shortly after an, a huge plague had broken out. And what he did is he would send processions into the street of intercessors who would walk around and say, Lord, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. He was trying to, he was trying to ward off the plague. He was trying to stop the sickness from happening. So when someone would sneeze, that group of intercessors, that procession, would come over to them in um, preemptive healing to stop the sickness, and they would say, God bless you. And so from 540 A.D. to your living room couch comes, God bless you. You sneeze, God bless you. It's actually a blessing that, that they thought would, may prevent sickness. Now, the Hebrew and Greek word are interesting. It doesn't get clearer when you look that up. Because there's no, there's no direct... When you go and look at all the passages that come from the word bless or blessing, there's no direct English word that comes from it. We don't have, we don't have an exact parallel. The Hebrew word for bless means to kneel. To kneel. The Greek word for bless means to, to say good things or good words. You know, this is where we get the idea of a eulogy. A eulogy is a good word spoken about someone at a funeral. It's a good word. It's a eulogy. You, you is the Greek word for good. It's a good word. A good thought. Good thing said. So from the Hebrew and Greek, you get this concept, kneel and, and good things are good words. The, the blessing is the most important relational issue on earth. It has a profound impact on all our relationships. 
With small children, adult children, grandchildren, spouse, when you're, when you're sharing your faith with someone else, it has a profound impact on evangelism. It has to do with your relationship with yourself. Did you know you have a relationship with yourself? You might not have known it if you didn't have a good one. But if you have a good one, it's not by accident. It has a big bearing on your relationship with God. If you've not received the blessing, or if you're missing parts of it, it will affect every relationship of your life. It will show up. I guarantee it. If you don't address it, it will show up. It'll affect your marriage. It'll affect your children. It'll affect your co-workers. It'll affect your relationship with God. And listen to this. It'll affect your self-esteem, which is your relationship with yourself. If you want to know why gangs and cults are on the rise in America, it's because we have a generation of people who are starving like Esau for the blessing. Somebody bless me. What is the blessing? In Genesis, I believe it's chapter 2, when God created Adam and Eve, and then he, he blessed their relationship, he said, for this reason... A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife. A man shall leave and cleave to his wife. The issue is when the blessing's not there without some intentional healing, leaving's not possible. How many of you know people that left home but hadn't left home? They left home physically. But emotionally, they're right there. They're still there. And they're trying to make this relationship work when they haven't properly left the last one. Without leaving, there can't be the cleaving in the new relationship. Genesis, God made it clear before the fall of Adam and Eve that His will, and His will hasn't changed, His will was to bless us. God created, we were created for the blessing, and when we don't have it, our souls ache. God, it's not, uh, look, people have tried for centuries to find ways around this. Maybe I was missing this, but it's okay, and I, I'll be different, and I can live without it, and, and that's how people begin to experiment with drugs and different forms of relationships and different structures of family and different, different ways of... Di- all the ways outside of God's ways that we've experimented with is a way to try to deal with living without the blessing. But can I give you the good news? God made you to bless you. He made you to live blessed, and He won't let you live healthy without it. Because he hardwired you to need it. That's not an act of the fall of man. That's an act of humanity. God calls humans to need the blessing. You and I need to live blessed. And so when we miss part of that, it shows up in everything else we do. Our souls literally long and ache for it. When we use the word blessed, now let's narrow in on it a little bit. We usually relate it to money, possessions, or health. Isn't that how Americans use the word blessed? You know what would be interesting to go to different cultures of the world and see how the word blessed is used? It probably wouldn't be in the same context that Americans may put it. But we think about money and health and possessions. But we don't even include in their relationships. 
Or if we do, it's not the first one. Because we tend to see our life through individualistic eyes. I'm blessed because I have money. I'm blessed because I have stuff. And I'm blessed because I'm healthy. Anybody see a problem? God created us to live in a community of faith that the inner network of is relationships. And somehow blessing has to at least in part be defined by His framework of understanding. The blessing has more to do with relationships than money or possessions or health. I'm not saying those things don't show up as elements, but the problem with us is if the Lord blesses us somehow materially, we say, God God gave me this to make me wealthy, or God gave me this to make me healthy. Maybe God blessed you not to make you healthy or wealthy. Maybe God blessed you so that you'd know He loved you. It's about the relationship that's deeper than the stuff. The stuff's going to pass away. The stuff's all going to pass away. And by the way, that includes your body. Your health is going to pass away. But the relationships won't. The blessing won't. From Genesis to Revelation, God's will and through into eternity is that we are blessed. Let me give you a definition. If you're taking notes, write this down. Here's how I define the blessing. Unconditional love and acceptance communicated. Unconditional love and acceptance communicated. So in other words, I'm being blessed when that's happening. And, I, and I'm living a blessed life as I'm receiving that. As I'm receiving God's unconditional love, as I'm receiving God's unconditional acceptance, I'm living a blessed life. As I realize He's doing that in me, I'm living a blessed life. If I could boil down all the messages that I've preached in my life, I think, I think they would all summarize into this. They would all summarize into this one thought. This series is critical because we live in a time when, the, when many, many, many adults and many more children are on their way live without the blessing or, now listen to this, without pieces of it. It's not a whole. It's not a one-thing shot, one or none. And I'm going to show you the next several weeks the pieces. But, but live without part of it or all of it. Let me give you four times in the scripture that the blessing was used. God's plan from the beginning that we would be blessed. So at the very beginning of time, the blessing was used at creation. God created Adam and Eve. He created them male and female. And the Bible says he blessed them. Look it up in Genesis. He created them male and female and he blessed. Why would they need to be blessed? There's no sin. There's no fall of man. There's no darkness in their heart. Why would they need to be blessed then? Because God created us to need it. Having no sin, now I know this may be complicated for us Americans, having no sin and having no need is not the same thing. Just, be, just because I have no sin doesn't mean I have no needs. Needs aren't sins. We don't like needs though because they reveal our weaknesses. But God created us and then blessed us. 
Another place in Scripture that the blessings often used is a time when a group was pulled together. Moses, the Bible said, assembled the entire group of Israel in the wilderness together and blessed them. Aaron followed suit and David followed suit and King Solomon followed suit. He grabbed Israel together in a big group and he blessed them. Now, another time that I think we've often used, maybe we don't as much as we used to, but we've often used this time of blessing when we call on God's protection. If a family member was going to travel beyond the horizon, that that was the uh, scriptural understanding. The Hebrew understanding is, if you go beyond the horizon, if we can't see you because you've walked so far, then you're traveling. And so if you were going beyond the horizon, they would speak a blessing over you. They would pray a blessing over you for God's protection. Now here's another critical one, the fourth one. To mark a rite of passage. Do you see this? A rite of passage. A transition from one phase to another. From one season to the next season. Graduating high school. Driver's license, marriage. Baby dedication. Water baptism. A rite of passage. Retirement. A rite of passage. One season to another. Last... um, July, I stood right here and, and Pastor Ron and the staff and the board and so many of you prayer warriors circled around Stacy and I and laid your hands on us. And you know what you did, whether you called it this or not, this is exactly what you did. You blessed us. You blessed us. It's a rite of passage. It's a transition point. And you, you prayed and spoke blessing. Birth and marriage. Do you know that uh, Jews still use this today? The bar mitzvah. The rite of passage for the child into manhood. If, if it's a uh, female, it's the bat mitzvah. The rite of passage into an older time. Some of these things are unique to the Old Testament. In this whole account of Jacob uh, blessing or Isaac blessing Esau and Jacob. We're going to look at that in the next few weeks and break those pieces down and look at the parts of the blessing. Now, some of that is custom. Some of that is culture. Some of that is unique to the Old Testament. But the relational principles inside it are not. They're good for all times. And we're going to pull those out of that occurrence. Now, let me, let me clarify as we, as we just kind of bring this to a head this morning. I think... I think so many times we've misunderstood God's unconditional love, and I'm going to use the word blessing for it, because we thought that blessing someone was the same thing as approving of behavior. The blessing is not the same thing as approving behavior. You say, well, don't do this. Don't, don't give that person that. They may think that their lifestyle's okay. But the blessing's not the same thing as approving of behavior. If, if it was, God should have never blessed any of us but Adam and Eve. It's not the same thing. The blessing is based on, now watch this if you're taking notes. The blessing is based on value, not behavior. So God's going to bless you not based on your behavior. God's going to bless you based on how important you are to Him. It's quiet. So you can walk to a person who doesn't know God 
and say, God loves you. Can I, you might not use that language, it might not be understood, but you can bless someone who doesn't know God because what it does is reveal God's intention from Genesis for them. Remember, Adam and Eve weren't lost the first time they were blessed. They were perfect. But they still needed the blessing. It wasn't, it wasn't, based, on, it wasn't based on behavior. Here's the second thing. Acceptance is not a reward for good behavior. It's empowerment for good behavior. I had a parent come to me once frustrated when we were youth pastors and said, and, and you, uh, if you deal in youth ministry, you deal with this kind of stuff all the time. My, my, oh, I forget if, if it was a son or daughter, I don't even remember. This, my teenager, they did this and they did this. And I told them, forget it. They, we were going to throw them a big birthday party. We said, forget it, it's off. And I said, boy, I, I really wish you'd rethink that. Well, they don't deserve it. I said, what does a birthday party have to do with what they deserve? You're not celebrating what they did the last year. This isn't Santa Claus. You're celebrating their life. You're celebrating the fact that they're here. They're alive. They're your child. They're your son. They're your daughter. You're not celebrating how good they did. I mean, surely you're not. Otherwise, you would have raised the bar, lowered the bar on birthdays past. I mean, you don't really offer birthdays like that. Man, go in there and act like, you know, it's, it's Moses brought back from the grave. Try to put your anger back for a minute and say, you know what? You and I have some serious issues to resolve. And I'm not going to let you behave like this. But come time for your birthday, we're kicking our shoes off and we're boogieing for Jesus. You know why? Because we love you. And nothing will ever change that. You'll never act bad enough that we won't love you. We won't accept everything you do. We're not going to accept everything you do. There's going to be a line and you're going to feel it when you hit it. But can I tell you something? We'll love you and accept you no matter how bad you ever get. So you can run after it with all your heart if you want to. See if you can outrun our love. You can't. We're going to love you. And we're going to bless you. We're not going to finance your rebellion though. And we're not going to facilitate it. And we're not going to give you permission to do it. But we're going to love you. Do you see the difference? That's the blessing. See, our problem is we think blessings are earned. Blessings are not earned. Can, can I remind you of a story in Scripture quickly and show you how that really... For those of you who were here a few weeks ago when we talked about Jesus' conflict with the Pharisees, let me give you another window into that understanding. The Pharisees propagated a you-have-to-earn-God's-blessing system. Do you remember when the woman with the issue of blood for 12 years snuck up into the crowd where nobody could see her, touched the hem of Jesus' garment, healing virtue went out from him and healed her, and he said, who touched me? Read that, go back and read that account. She backed away. You know, I didn't know anybody was going to know I was there. She backed away, and the Pharisees began to scrutinize Jesus. Do you know why they scrutinized him? you know why they criticized him? Because he healed a woman, in their opinion, who didn't deserve to have it. Now watch. She went out and broke so many Jewish laws to do what she did. Number one, it was not fit for a woman to approach a rabbi, a teacher, a master in that setting. Number two, 
it was, it was inappropriate for, him to, for her to touch him. And number three, she was unclean. She had had this issue for 12 years. And it was breaking Jewish law for her to touch him. She would have made him ceremonially unclean by doing that. And the, and the Pharisees couldn't stand it. And they said, who are you to heal her? Obviously, you don't have any wisdom or discernment. And you've broken the law. And you didn't, furthermore, you didn't know that she wasn't righteous enough to be healed. She doesn't deserve it. And unfortunately, this poor woman believed in God's power more than she believed in his goodness because she thought she had to come steal a miracle. When she didn't understand, if she had just went straight up to him and said, Lord, I believe you can heal me, he would have healed her because God's good. But what happened is the Pharisees criticized her and revealed that their belief system on God's sense of blessing and wholeness was earned and deserved, not by God's unconditional love. Blessings are God's acceptance. Blessings can't be earned. This isn't a merit system. It's not a credit system. It's not that you attend church long enough or you have perfect attendance in Sunday school that God's going to say, oh, isn't it funny, though, that that's our default system? It has been my default system as I grew up in faith. And I bet you it's been your default system. Let's test it. You're rocking along fine. You're getting closer and closer to Jesus. Your passion's heating up. Life starts to make sense for you. Things start working out the way you think they should. And then all of a sudden a train wreck happens. And then another one happens. And another one happens. And another one happens. And after long you say, well, if this is the way it's going to be, it was better than this when I served the enemy or when I served myself or I lived my own life. You ever had that thought? You don't have to raise your hand. I didn't see you staring at me from back there. You ever had that thought? Well, if this is the way it's going to be, then I'll go back to what I had before. Yeah? Why? Because you thought that God was blessing you because you accepted Him as your Savior. And you thought He was going to keep blessing you. And the better you got for God, the better things were going to get for you. But sometimes the better you get for God, the worse things get for you. Hello, 12 disciples. Hey, Job, how you doing over there? What did Job do wrong? On the other hand, you've got people who just kind of butcher their life up. Things end up better for them sometimes. God's blessing is it cannot be earned. If you could earn it, his son should have climbed down off the cross and forgot the whole thing. You can't earn his blessing. He blesses you to show you his love. You've got to change your definition of blesses you. Let me say it this way. His unconditional love is his blessing to you. That's his blessing. He wants to bless you with unconditional love. Do you know why we have a hard time accepting God's acceptance? Now watch this. Because we can't convince ourselves... That we've done enough to earn it. You ever have good things happen to you and then you feel guilty? You feel kind of guilty? That, oh man, this is too much and I don't deserve this. And, and God's like, yeah. <laughs> what does that have to do with it? You ever have those good things happen? We can't convince ourselves that we've done enough to earn it. So we feel guilty for accepting it for free, watch this, because we've convinced ourselves that we're not loved. 
If I know God loves me, then I have no guilt for the things He brings in my life. I can receive them without rebuking God because it's too much. Isn't that the spirit of Judas? Now look, now look! Now look, Jesus! This money could have been saved and spent on the poor. It's the spirit of Judas, isn't it? It's the spirit that's not convinced it's loved. Hard time accepting God's unconditional love. I feel like, you, you ever done your Christianity like this? You've done some good stuff, then you've done some bad stuff, then you say, man, i got to be good for a while. Like a diet, isn't it? Because I've been bad, and man, i I gotta, I got to... Why? Because all of us have a depraved system put inside our DNA from birth. And we believe the wrong system all our life till we let God change it. All of us. So we say, I better be good a little bit. Weigh this thing out. Ooh, I missed a Sunday. Ooh, I better make the next six. Whether you say it out loud or not, it works through your emotions, doesn't it? And it causes you to act certain ways. But when you say, I know God loves me. And I'll see, here's the thing about God. You've got to understand this. He has made up his mind and bent himself for eternity on this one thing. He's going to love you. 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 And if you could believe it the way he says it, it'll change you. If you can believe it the way he says it, whatever you were missing, he's going to make up. But I think you have to know what you were missing in order for him to make it up. Because you won't know that he did unless you, unless you connect the two. Genesis 22, or Numbers 22, has a fascinating uh, passage. And I, and I just want to wrap up this morning and show you and present to you a blessing. Today's Mother's Day, and I, and I was so, as I watched that human video, I was thinking, man, I wish there was another song or something. Because it just messed me up. To think about through the phases of a family's life how Jesus' presence is there the whole time. Even when we don't know. Every phase he's standing there. Every phase he's speaking. Every phase he's ministering and healing and serving and doing all the things that the physical Jesus did while he was on earth. The spiritual mm -hmm. Jesus through the presence of his Holy Spirit is still here ministering all those things. He's decided to win you over. To keep, to keep loving you until you're convinced that He does. And let me tell you the great thing about God's blessing. God wants to love you until you've been set free from all other loves. Man, I, I, I had a tough... I had a tough thing happen this week. My son came to me, my youngest son, my eight-year-old, and said, Daddy, do you love Jesus? I, we were out 
planted some plants in the garden. Do you love Jesus more than these plants? I said, well, that's an easy one. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. He said, Daddy, do you, do you love Jesus more than the house? This yard and the land? I said, yeah, that's an easy one. I do. He said, without blinking, Daddy, you love Jesus more than me? I said, well, I said, Tyler, that's a simple one, but it's not easy. I really do. I really do. I love him more than I love you. And I always will. God's desire is to have you. And for you to have him. And for you to know that he loves you more than anything else. And he always will. This morning, using Numbers chapter 22, I just want to speak a blessing over every mom here. I want to specifically say to you, God is a healer. He's a redeemer. And as I prepared this morning, I had the deepest sense that the Lord was going to do some powerful things. You know, if you'll just be like the woman who reached out and touched Jesus' garment, if you'll stretch out in faith toward Him, He'll stretch out in power and love toward you. This morning, I want to speak a blessing over every mom. And I want you to prepare to receive, not from me, but to receive from God His heart, His love, His power, His power to heal, His power to deliver, His power to set free. I'm going to ask every mom in this room, if you would just simply stand where you are. You don't have to go anywhere else. Just stand. In Numbers chapter 6, the Bible says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. And now moms, just open your hands and close your eyes. And I'm going to speak the same blessing over you that God gave to speak over the children of Israel. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on you and I will bless you. Lord, I thank you this morning for every mom in this room. Lord, I pray every word that was spoken, I know it's directly from your heart. And Lord, I pray in this place right now as moms have stood in faith, as moms have stood in belief, Lord, I pray now that you would heal, that you would strengthen, that you would minister, that you would change the mind to understand what you're saying. You would open the heart to receive. Lord, you would heal the body, heal the family, heal the marriage, heal the relationship, heal the broken pieces, Lord. 
Heal the scars that time and life has left. Lord, let your spirit move through this place this morning to heal.